Welcome, everybody. My name is Matthew Sims. I'm alongside here Phil Sims, my co-host, and welcome to Sims Complete Podcast, baby. We are here, and uh, another great week of NFL football. We're going to review week four and some of our general thoughts from a few games that we were we found interesting, and then we're going to go through just some quarterback performances that we thought were really uh, impressive, a few others that maybe felt a little short, and then we're going to preview a game uh, for this weekend uh, that we're excited about. So how yes. you doing, Big Phil? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, I'm doing very well. I feel good. And uh, this is the way life goes. As you get older, you start working for your children. And uh, you know how much I'm getting paid to work with my son? How much you paying me? That's right. Nothing. You know how much I'm making to do this with you? Well, Absolutely nothing. Well, so this is for true. the this yeah. is for the love of the game, baby. Oh, oh, All right. This okay. is what we're doing. Okay, right. Kevin. <laughs> you get that, right? No, I don't. Kevin Costner for the love of the game. I know. I know. Wow. Yeah. I don't know Kevin on a first name basis like you. I wasn't that I don't, popular. I don't, yeah. I've never I did meet him one time. Pretty we cool need, dude. We need to get you on Yellowstone actually. Good athlete. That'd be great. I know that. Yeah, he's one of the better actor slash athletes out there. Well, he played college baseball. Did he really? Yeah. Yeah, for who? Oh, gosh, I'm not sure. I'll I put you on the spot. I want to say USC, but I don't think it was that. But, hey, he can swing the bat. You can see when he filled his dreams and all that, he can really throw. He can really it's throw. Very natural. He, makes you, he makes you believe, that's for sure. Yep. All right, so big guy, week four in the books. Uh, one of the games that I thought we we found both really just fascinated by, right, and something that we were both looking forward to was this Dolphins-Bills matchup. Uh, just take me through some of your first initial thoughts uh, leading up to it and, and post-game, your thoughts. Well, I think uh, a lot of my thoughts before the game were completely wrong. I just go, how can the <laughs> Buffalo Bills find a way to hang in there with this Miami's offense? I mean, come on. It's, right. You know, and, and then as it's over, you know, I'm a genius after the fact. We all are. Yeah, we all are. And here's here's what I came to as I was watching the game. Probably about halftime I said, uh-oh, is that uh, Miami Dolphins were on such a high and emotionally and everything for the 70 points after the game all week long. That's all everybody talked about. And, of course, I was in on that too. And then the Buffalo Bills. You know, Matt, you know, when you're a little scared as a football team – it energizes you and you really focus and do all these things. And they had emotion. They had the crowd behind them. And I think they had a fatigued Miami team to some degree on the other side. And that's why we got such a uh, a big win by the Buffalo Bills. One of the reasons why. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And Mike McDaniel, credit to him. Uh, we'll get more into this game at, at, here in a second. But if you would have just watched post-game, right. Right, the reaction of the court, the coaches – you would have thought that Mike McDaniel was the winning coach. He had a smile on his face. He jogged across the field, like all happy. <laughs> and, you know, I think he was happy because, you know, Sean McDermott's team humbled his team in a way. And he said it in his press conference, too. I would be lying if I was pumped about anything from our team today, he added. I think the National Football League is a very humbling game. And if you're not on your stuff, you are playing, you are playing a team that is this will happen. Wow. And uh, I love the fact that he's just so transparent with the situation from a guy who just put up 70 points a week before to, to have that kind of outlook at this game, I think is very important for this team, too, and just who he is as a coach. And, you know, I didn't get to see that. You told me, and I, I'm going to watch it uh, later today if I can uh, get it up. But, you know, the big thing is, I think you know this, you played in the league. It's hard to get emotionally high every week. Yeah. And that high of the Denver Broncos game did carry over. And like I said, too, the other side, I think Buffalo at 2-1 and one knew 
hey, we go two and two and two games behind, plus a loss between the two of us in the AFC East. You know, it's a long year. I know that. But uh, that's sometimes that's hard to overcome. And I think that was on Buffalo's side, too. Yeah, it was. And the last thing, Josh Allen, week one. Right. It's still in his mind. Right. And, you know, I watch his interviews after the game and all that. It's really stern and rah, rah, rah. And the, to me, I like angry quarterbacks, and I think he's played angry the last three weeks. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, I really like the way that the offenses look so far this season, too. I think they're doing a better job of trying to stay balanced. They only had 29 rushes for 104 yards in the game, but they at least were patient in certain down and distance plays to at least run the football. Even if it was for a yard or two, they were still doing it. They were still trying to pound the rock when they could. And I think Latavius Murphy and James Cook – as the season continues to go, will be you know an added benefit to this offense and, and the offensive line, especially two for the play action pass game, which we saw Josh Allen completed two or three really big passes off play action passes. So yep. even though we're not getting explosive plays from the run game, that is a huge part of their offense. Josh Allen again, his ability to play aggressively slash dangerously slash reckless while still making fantastic throws and being the athlete that he is, you know, he's, he's a dominant football player on the football field. He really is. Stefan Diggs looked great. Poor tackling by Miami on his one uh, 55 yard long touchdown play. But you know, when they get this guy, the football, he had seven targets and he had six catches for 120 uh, average 20 yards per catch. Uh, it's always a good sign for them when they get him involved. Yeah, well, many things there. When you run the football, what's it do? Toughens your football team up. Right. You know, sometimes you want to be the guy that hits, and O-linemen are that way. They need to be physical. So that really worked out great. Uh, you know, too, Josh Allen, there's no doubt after that Jet game, willing to check the ball down and take four and five yards. Stephon Diggs breaking the tackles and scoring. Damn, Stephon got bigger. I mean, didn't he? Didn't he look bigger, his legs and everything, and he broke tackles. And the big thing I, you and I were just talking about for a second before we went on the air, Josh Allen, all these quarterbacks that are big and can run, once you get inside about the 15-yard line, it becomes tough to throw. Yeah, it does. And his movement, he moved one time, hit Stephon Diggs, who made a great adjustment, and then he moved the next time down inside and did what? Ran in the end zone. And he looks faster than ever. He does so, look fast. He does. He does. And Ken Dorsey, I've been on him a little bit. Well, more than a little. I, and I think everyone has been. Yeah. yeah. But uh, he answered those questions. He told everybody just to shut up and let's <laughs> move on. And I, I, I like well, that. It's, it's trending in the right direction. And no I question. think Ken is finding his own voice as a play caller with the more experience you know that he has now this season. Sean McDermott and his influence on the, on the defense, defense. Is, is definitely very, very apparent. Matt Milano is still – one of the most productive middle linebackers in the game and him being the guy that essentially is getting everybody lined up, you know, alongside Micah Hyde. It's a great combination of veteran leadership for that defense. And then also just their fantastic football players. These two guys were all over the football field. And one thing to be excited too, for these, these Buffalo bills, right? Von Miller, hopefully coming back, coming back yeah. and making an impact, but Ed Oliver, 
Daquan Jones, Leonard Floyd, Greg Russo. These guys are playing very, very well for them, uh, and especially in this game. Miami had some explosive plays. Sure, they really to. did. But they limited the, you know, the double-down explosive plays, and that was really the difference in the game, whereas other teams, explosive play, expo- touchdown. You know, they really did a great job. They played great red zone defense. They hit Tua more so than other teams had, and I feel like they had a very good game plan, too, for taking away those quick hitters out of the backfield. They did. They're better than they were last year on defense. Sean McDermott doing a great job. The pass rush is coming around. Yeah. So that's really good. And that's one of the reasons why they won. Yes. And then just for the Miami side of the football, you know, they played a pretty solid football game. They really did. You know, unfortunately, just let up too many explosive plays, obviously because of Josh Allen. Um, you know, Devon Achan. What a tremendous football player this guy is. He is a rocket ship every single time he touches the football. He had eight carries for 101 yards, two touchdowns. His long was 55 on the day. It just, But every time this dude touches the football, you're like, man, he's going to break into the house. So the Dolphins team are just one of those teams, even if they are getting whooped you know, at some points like they were against Buffalo, still have the ability to get back into the game with those game-changing plays because of guys like him. Yeah, I mean, listen, A-Chan, uh, I always have to think before I say his name because it's changing every week, but whatever. Hey, when they drafted him, I went, oh, okay, let me study him. I had studied him a little bit, and I go, well, he ran track at Texas A&M. He runs 100 all meters. All-American track. Yeah, yeah, so you see all that, and you go, well, I don't care what he plays. Let's just get him because we can right. find a way to give him the ball. <laughs> yeah. And that you know that's that's really, I I think people around the league are gonna start copying the Miami Dolphins because of what they're doing, and they just realize you can never have too much speed. And Miami is is the fastest team in the NFL. Uh, Buffalo did a good job of being physical though with the guys on the outside too. Tyreek Hill only three catches for fifty eight yards. Jalen Waddle four for forty six. So they played physical with those guys, and that'll be I think one of their issues. Miami is the physicality of certain teams that they play with especially late in the year playoff type of football and being able to you know body people up into contested catches let me let me say this yeah they're so fast they do so much movement right and they go down the field can you do this for a whole year with a fast team can you stay fast and can you continue to be so creative and because of this it's not the games i worry about you got to practice it Right. So they're running a lot in practice. And That's a good I, I, point. Yeah. So I'm, it's only week four. We've seen four. They still look faster than anybody else in the NFL. But I'm, I'm really anxious to see, like, week nine or ten, what they look like if it's the same as it is now. And it, it is amazing how week to week your opinion on a football team can change. And that's why I was so impressed with Mike McDaniel and, and what he said in postgame, yeah. too. Because he went from the highest of highs, like you said, to being humbled uh, on the total end of it. Uh, against a really good football team and a, and a great division game, too. And looking forward to that that next matchup between these two teams. You know, I get mad at myself. We you we played, I know, and I understand what it's like to be on the end that Buffalo Bills thought they were on. Like, nobody's giving us a chance. We're playing this super-powered team, but we're at home and all that. Being scared, being emotional, and some of those um, tendencies, whatever you want to call them, they are real. And you play almost better than you, your physical abilities really are. And I thought that's what really what the Buffalo Bills did in that game. So we're going to transition now to the Houston Texans-Pittsburgh Steelers game. 
And uh, this one was uh, was a shock to me. This one definitely was. This shock. one I was not yeah. expecting a 30-6 to win by the Houston Texans. I thought the Pittsburgh Steelers found out a few things a week before that against the Las Vegas Raiders. I was thinking that this team would be trending in the right direction. And here we go. It seems like I was completely wrong with that thought process just a few days ago after how I saw the Houston Texans played against them. What did you see, you know, as a few takeaways from this one? Well, I know I'm – listen, I'll say this. <clears throat> I'm glad I'm not a gambler because <laughs> I did not see this at all. I just figured Pittsburgh, experience, defense, pass rush, Houston, new coach, coordinators, quarterback, no way – and about mid-first quarter, you're sitting there going, uh-oh. You could almost see it early in the game. I, I paid attention to this game as much as I could sitting in the studio. But I'm I'm astounded, really. I, I love C.J. Stroud and, coming out in the draft. Yeah, I was going to say, and the Houston aspect of it. You yeah. Are, yeah. Yeah, I just – but once again, you know, I remember, I remember I watched their first game against the Baltimore Ravens really close. And I went, wow, C.J. is really hanging in there, making a lot of good throws. But they got overpowered by a huge, aggressive, you know, Baltimore Ravens football team. But C.J. Stroud, his accuracy, we knew about that, Matt. The other thing is his motion, it might be the most compact motion in the NFL. It's really quick. Holy He gets carumba. the football out extremely fast. I mean, they're all around him. He makes a power throw down the field without even look, doesn't even look like he moves his arm. He's got good arm strength. He's got great touch. And, you know, everybody's been saying it on TV, and we say it on our at CBS, but his movement. Okay, how we feel about that now? You know, oh, we're not sure he's a mobile quarterback. He showed it against Georgia. But, you know, that's what everybody says. And even I probably said that too. But he's been very dynamic as a football player, good size. And Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator, do you know him? Was he in Atlanta when you were down there? No, with he wasn't. But he was with Kyle and, and yeah. Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, Mike McDaniel in Washington together. He was actually a defensive coach on wow. that staff. So it, it kind of shows you that this guy uh, has had a well-rounded little background. Well, he, he knew what he hated on defense, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. so, yeah. which is I hear all the time. I can't stop this. So but it's, it's a good it offense. It's well-designed. It's very quarterback-friendly. Um, and, and not to mention, uh, he has great weapons at his disposal. He has weapons that we didn't pay attention to. We did. We this this fell through the cracks but for here, sure. Here, but they're treating, like I said, um, C.J. Stroud – like he's been in the league 10 years. Right. And I think what just excites me, it's just, let's go. And right away, first game, it's, and it, I, you know, Matt, I think we know this is not going to change. They're going to keep this formula going forward. And, and why not? And, yeah. and, and it's, it's very apparent how comfortable CJ is on the field. It's very apparent, too, how comfortable he feels with the offense and the decision making, too. It does not seem like he is a typical rookie quarterback where his reads are slow. He looks like he is on point with everything and uh you know the running game has been suspect so far this year but it seemed like there was glimpse of hope of their run game against the Pittsburgh Steelers on a few different runs so Damian Pierce ended with 24 carries 81 yards good uh, but there was a few plays where you're like okay there's there's some optimism here in that run game if they can continue to develop that uh to go along with Nico Collins Dalton Schultz um, Tank Dell, who has been super impressive. Nico Collins was really the man of the hour in this game. Right, His performance was legit. Uh, the post-corner route that he ran against Patrick Peterson was phenomenal. The touch throw that C.J. Stroud threw to him on that play was absolutely beautiful. 
And um, and CJ looks strong and tall and big in the pocket too. And that's something that we have to keep in mind when we're evaluating quarterbacks is kind of their presence within the pocket. He looks like someone that's six six. You know, even though I don't even know what he measured at. What is he like six four? I'm I'm gonna say, but a, a really tall six three and a half. He's got great presence in the pocket, he and does. you can see it, and it's very natural. He's very comfortable with it, and and you're right. The one thing that really highlighted to me, there was a few plays where he got out of trouble, and it looked very easy for him to get out of the trouble, and he threw it very efficiently on the run. Yeah. Um. So Bobby Slowick with that great play calling. A screen game to Damian Pierce early in the game, which went for a big gain of 27. Nico Collins shines today. Tank Dell has shined in other games. Dalton Schultz, a very solid tight end that can make plays for them, especially in the red zone. He had a red zone touchdown. Um, but now let's kind of dive into the Steelers. Yeah, yeah. Go, I'm going to okay. go back to this real yeah, quick. A yeah. couple little things. Um, D'Amico Ryans, right. de- defensive coordinator with the San Francisco 49ers, Oh, my God, I said, oh, here we go. We're going to play defense and run the ball, and and we're going to try to win the game 20-17. to 17. And I've been shocked. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it, it has none of those qualities. And uh, D'Amico Ryans, I think, said during the preseason he had nothing to do with the defense. He was going to wait till the season started. He was going to get very involved with game plans. That shows. And they got this old guy rushing the passer still. Yeah. Jerry Hughes. Man. Oh, my gosh. He I looked mean, good. I remember him in Buffalo, Indy, and it's it's amazing, still productive. And Will Anderson, kind of kind of feel good about him. Yeah. Great power. Built to play football. We'll see how that comes along. But give me a little bit about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, and just to finish your thought there, too, Jonathan Grenard, who's been extremely productive on the defensive line for them. Yes. And, and Jerry Hughes, like you mentioned, uh, Sheldon Rankins, his ability, right, to be a force in the middle, too. Uh, you know, and it's really an impressive group so far uh, as far as a mixture of young and veteran football players that D'Amico Ryans has really tapped into, which I think is important. Uh, yeah, and now let's get to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I, I really just I can't avoid it. The offense looks so stale. It's so stale. It's very, let's just run this play. Let's just run that play. I, I don't really feel like there's any rhyme or reason to the play calling or the rhythm of it at all. Um, Najee Harris did have a few plays that it looked like the running game got going on occasion throughout this game, uh, but not consistently enough. And then the passing game just seems to be, you know, for, unfortunately, I'm going to say just a little element, like just a little elementary. Too right? simple. Just, yes. just too Just too basic no matter how good you are in the nfl if you're on offense you need what you need a little deception yeah. creativity help us out help good players average players whatever you want to say to be better than they physically are i don't see that with pittsburgh and you and i have talked about it kenny pickett i thought he was tremendous at the end of the year last year physically i don't know if it's he's a little hesitant because of the reads but he definitely is not throwing the ball the way he did at the end of the year last year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He's not at least not throwing it as strong and as confident as we saw at right. the end of the year last year. And uh, and now we'll see what happens with him as far as he got banged up in that game. Mitch Trubisky came in, um, and uh, we'll see how serious that injury is for this weekend. Uh, but really haven't heard any finite report yet on that. Um, what about Mike Tomlin? His words real quick. What do you think? He said changes are going to come. Did he mean it with coaches, players, 
whatever it is. What 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 do you think? It's probably going to be a combination of of all of that. It really is. Um, but it it's got to the offense has to change. I think it really does. They got to change at least the way that they go about attacking defenses. There's too many plays too, you know, boots or play action passes where there's free runners off the edge uh, against this Pittsburgh Steelers offense, and I don't understand why. You know, it's like there's clearly a defensive end or a linebacker way outside the tackle box that is unblocked, and we're just going to run it anyway. So I don't know if it's the quarterback. I don't know if it's the scheme, but just a little concerning to me, you know, when I watch the game of how many free shots Kenny Pickett took for, for no reason. Has to be the scheme. We got a defensive coach. We got a defensive coach who knows about blitzing, what to do, and all that. And Mike Tomlin, the head coach, so they should not have these problems. And it it's definitely shown up the first four weeks. Right. Next game that we want to review is uh, the Baltimore Ravens versus the Cleveland Browns. Wow. This was just uh, an AFC North bloodbath again. One-way bloodbath. <laughs> One-way yes. bloodbath. And, uh, you know, we were concerned about the Pittsburgh Steelers and how they're protecting their quarterback and their offense. Well, now they have the Ravens coming up next week. And, and what were some of the highlights that you, you saw from the Ravens and, and their, their performance? Well, I think the first thing it is, I watched this game Monday morning, tried to get a feel for it and everything. And I just come to this fact, which I always uh, do with the Ravens. Damn, they're big. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are. They're big. Uh, they just out hit. The Cleveland Browns, now we'll get into Cleveland about they didn't have Deshaun Watson, which was a big deal. Yeah. And I was a little disappointed in Dorian Thompson-Robinson, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But the Ravens can run the ball. They're not afraid to play a low-scoring game. And I think my big takeaway is this. You know, Todd Munkin comes in as the offensive coordinator. We all, everybody, and I joined the course. Oh, Lamar, it's going to be about him. They're going to throw the ball everywhere. Why would you go away from the greatest strength they have is running the football and quarterback runs? So Lamar, just I'm a real quick sketch of him being very careful with his decisions. And you know why he can be careful? Because if he doesn't like it, he can run. <laughs> That's it. And teams got to play a yeah. lot of zone. Why? Because they got to keep their eyes on him. And what I like, what Todd Munkin has done. Yes, they throw the ball and it's doing a good job. Lamar, very careful with his decision-making, but also they still have quarterback design runs in there. They didn't get especially away from that. Where, especially where? Inside the tackles or it, inside the red zone? The red zone. That's yeah. that's where it's going to be the most you know, you know, pain in the butt for these defenses, right? It's just the red zone running attack for him. You could see there was two really well-designed – his two touchdown runs were well-designed, yeah. well-executed plays where I just – you know, even the great defensive mind of Jim Schwartz is going to have a tough time matching up man for man, especially with that. Um, so it's it's physicality and it's his speed, too. And he's just so brave when he runs the football. It, it's almost borderline. We're like, all right, man, don't be that. <laughs> but that's why you got to love him. That's why he's a great football player, too, because he just has so much courage when he runs the football. But, you know, the one highlight that I want to say for Lamar the the stats aren't going to impress you when you look at him, right? So he finishes 15 and 19 for 186 and two touchdowns. Right. He had the two touchdowns on the ground too. So extremely efficient day for all you fantasy people out there, right? But <laughs> what I loved most, there was three plays where he did fantastic pocket movement, got out, 
extended plays, found Zay Flowers for a tremendous throw down the field on the run, which was beautiful, hit Mark Andrews across the field while he was moving for a tremendous play. Now, it's one of those, like, damn it if you do, damn it if you don't type of plays, but the fact that he can make chicken salad out of chicken shit a lot is always a good thing when you're a quarterback, and it was very impressive with just how well he moved and how well he threw in the game. Well, you were dying to curse, so. I was, yeah. Yeah, no, but you know what? Uh, the one thing I learned from Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator of the Ravens for many years, I we talked about Lamar Jackson, the hits and all that. He goes, remember, when the quarterback runs, he determines who, how hard or who's going to hit him. And it's so true. You know, you ran at all levels. And whatever, when you run as a quarterback, you see everybody. You don't get blindsided by somebody. You might get uh, dragged down from behind. But that's, that's all that's going to happen. And let me get over this fact, too. <laughs> Every time something bad happens when you try to throw it across, oh, you know, you're not allowed, you shouldn't throw the ball across the field. Hey, then we're missing huge plays by not running right or running left and throwing in the opposite direction. It's part of the game. It's necessary for the game. And if your quarterback can't do it, you're missing 15 or 20 big plays a year just because of that fact. And all these quarterbacks now, Matt, some are better than others. But Lamar, you you watch how he grips the ball. Yeah. It's like gripping a baseball, right? Yeah. I mean, it's so small in his hand, he can just whip it with his hand and wrist like in, nobody else in the league. Right. And, and the thing is, you make a great point with that. You really do. Because, uh, yeah, of course you don't want people to throw it across the field like Mac Jones and all that kind of stuff in his situation with the bland interception. But uh, he can't do it like Lamar can and he's not doing it within the rhythm that Lamar is doing it too so that's the difference of it you know it's just there there's uh there's ways to really highlight it where you can do it and then there's you know this is not what you do and and that's just not who he is but to go back to the Ravens and, and this defense real quick Dorian Thompson Robinson rookie out of UCLA we liked him coming out we do think that he has some promise he has some ability but like damn dude welcome to the NFL welcome to the AFC North (laughs) it wasn't preseason football it was not preseason football Uh, yeah and that was a few things that I took away from it there was a few times where he ran and he was like whoa he got hit hard multiple times in the game out of the pocket And I think he was also surprised, too, by how quickly people caught up to him. And that is the difference between guys who are mobile like him and guys that are mobile like Lamar Jackson. Because the defense hawked him down on a few different occasions. And Roquan Smith, just want to highlight him real quick. When you watch this game, if you go back and watch it on film, this dude is a heat-seeking missile on the football field. (laughs) He is just annihilating players all the time. Running backs have no chance blocking him in one-on-one situations either when he rushes. Uh, He just unbelievable hits. Great job. Uh, Two pass deflections, too, so he's making an impact in the passing game. He almost had an interception on one of those pass deflections. Uh, And Patrick Queen, the same thing. You know, you got two linebackers that are just big, strong, and physical, making plays behind the line of scrimmage, and then also, too, in coverage. Yeah, I think – excuse me. I think linebackers, it's a new day and age. They want them fast. Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, they're both fast. They have decent size, Roquan especially. They can blitz. They, they're good tacklers, but they can go sideline to sideline. Yeah. And you need those kind of linebackers now, for sure, and all, with all football teams. And I'll just say this about the Cleveland Browns. The rookie quarterback playing, that was tough. And the other thing is, they'll be back. They're yeah, going to they be will. okay. Yeah. 
You know, Jim there, Schwartz, the There defense. was still a few plays where if, if like, Miles got Garrett early in the first quarter, right. he almost had a strip sack on, on Lamar, which would have been in their own territory. Right. That would have been a huge play of the game. Uh, so that would have been the difference of it, too, early on for momentum and, and all those things. But it, it's just a credit, too, to Baltimore where, like, as soon as they kind of got up, there was really nowhere, no room for Cleveland to breathe after did, that. I'll ask you this. Did the fact that um, Deshaun Watson wasn't playing, did that take some energy and everything else out of Cleveland? Because, yeah, it has to a little. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it showed, you it know, did. and everything. Because I look at the Cleveland defense and I see zero weakness in it. Right. Run stoppers. You know, yeah. they got them. They got pass rushers. The linebackers are fast. Um the secondary is good. You know, they went out and got Juan Thornhill from the Kansas City Chiefs. I think he's a tremendous safety. Denzel Wards, he's tremendous. Had it, you know, I, I didn't study him closely in this game yet. I will, but they got players at all levels, and I think they're going to be a factor all year long because of the quarterback, what he can do, and how they change the offense. And of course, this defense, defense. It never gets really bad, so Jim Schwartz will get him going again this coming week. Yeah, and just to highlight a few players, too, on Baltimore really quickly, Brandon Stevens with an interception, Geno Stone and Kyle Hamilton all had an interception, and really the one that started off was uh, Stevenson, uh, Stevens' interception early off a tip pass that really kind of set the tone for this Ravens team. So yeah. just missed opportunities early for Cleveland. Baltimore capitalized on those opportunities and really never looked back and kind of won the physical matchup again in another AFC North bloodbath in the Coliseum because every game in the AFC North is just, um, I, I don't know, just complete decapitation and entertainment for sure. Um, so now we're going to transition to uh, our underperformers of the week. And uh, the two teams that we're going to highlight in this situation are, are really no surprise to anybody who watched this weekend. It's the Bengals and the New England Patriots. What team would you like to start with first there, Big Philly? Well, let's go. Is it the Bengals? The Bengals, what is it? I well, guess the Bengals. We'll start with Cincinnati. What is it? Does anybody know? Yeah, let's just go Cincinnati. You're right. Yeah. I was doing a game down there once. <laughs> no, I got to tell the story because I got <laughs> killed. I just yeah. got killed in the papers. Grew up in Louisville, you know, yeah. hour and a half away from Cincinnati. And we always called it Cincinnati. Everybody, you know, I never heard anybody go Cincinnati. So I said, <laughs> yeah. well, I'll do what everybody says down here. And I did it. And, oh, my God, there was articles. What an idiot. He said the name wrong all weird game long. And I thought I was doing everybody a favor. Yeah. So I ate that. So It's Louisville, not Louisville. Yeah, it's, it's Louisville. That's, That's right. right. Not Louisville. Louisville. All whatever. right. But, uh, all right. What do we got? So we got the, the Bengals at Tennessee. Um, wow. You want me to start? <laughs> That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Look, they're a team that is what they're extremely hampered right now when you have a quarterback that can't move around which joe burrow is tremendous at moving behind the line of scrimmage and throwing the football to get completions to get big plays yeah and so that's that's number one right away and he can't run to get some first downs which he does you know he's kind of a stinky runner with the football he does very well so that puts the defense at a great advantage they're going, hey, he's going to catch it and throw it. Yeah. So we get a lot of completions, but no yards. So that's, to me, and everybody goes, they're not making big plays. How can you make big plays when you're just catching the ball and throwing it real quick? Which he does. Well, everybody knows last year they destroyed teams with throwing long passes down the sidelines. So you guard against that. We saw the Cleveland Browns do it week one. Mm -hmm. Man, oh, man, were they all over since he's offense. So that to me, that's the biggest thing. And if you got a quarterback is in the situation that Joe Burrow is, 
hey, can he get under center and hand the ball off? I don't know. I don't know either. Because that was one of my points is can you do some of the play action run game that you would like to do under center with I, his calf being I would I would effective. say no. Yeah, no, I don't think they have a chance. You know, listen, anytime he moved, what? When he moved on in the game against uh, the Rams, just a little movement, you could see. Yeah, he looked slow. He well, looks, not only he looked slow, but you could tell he's like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I almost hurt my calf. It, he's, he's running gingerly. You know, yeah. Yeah, there's no power behind any of those steps at all. But the other thing is the Bengals, so all this we're talking about on the offense, the defense is just at a disadvantage now. The Bengals are solid on defense, but they need to be in good situations too. Yeah, and then they played. You know the what? What's a good word for Derrick Henry? Well, they play good defense, but this is the one issue that I have with their performance against Tennessee, right? Because yeah. yeah, you're right. They played King Henry, and uh, and he reminded us again why he is the king of all running backs uh, and, when he is healthy. Which I'm shocked when I watch him, but we'll talk about it as we go ahead. Well, go just ahead. yeah, he looked he looked great. He looked oh. strong. He looked fast. Uh, broken tackles. You know, uh, threw a touchdown pass too. Threw it pretty well too on the run across his body which i thought was pretty nice um you know you're not supposed to do that yeah yeah that's right yeah, we got derrick henry doing it for yeah me. yeah but you know all-star quarterbacks uh, no, i, can't I know but um you know the biggest takeaway really is you know tennessee doesn't have any real just downfield passing threats and their passing game really hasn't shown that that's what they want to do or try to do and that's where i get a little disappointed with with cincinnati the fact that they were able to kind of get pushed around in the run game there was a few plays where the Tennessee offense just schemed it up perfectly and there was just huge lanes for King Henry to run through and uh, and I think that's why I'm kind of disappointed in in offense and defense for the Bengals is the fact that you couldn't really hone in on the the one thing that Tennessee really wants to do extremely well and you you let it beat you in this game every game you watch the Tennessee Titans oh my gosh do I go up and down with them oh yeah, I, 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 I look. Know. I'm a fan all the time too. And after the game, somebody's giving oh, their season's over. They're going to have a terrible year. Then they come out and just put a whooping on the next opponent. And you know, you talked about so Derrick Henry's running the football. Ryan Tannehill, eighteen of twenty-five, two hundred and forty yards and a touchdown. So it goes hand in hand. Yeah. They have these games. They've had a couple this year, where against the Chargers, Ryan Tannehill. Putting up numbers like he's, you know, Joe Burrow of the past and all these other quarterbacks, but they're not a great passing football team. And to be really good, what do they need? They need to run the football first. One of the few teams that their running game really determines everything about their football team. Yeah, definitely. So that was uh, one of our underperformers. The Bengals just offense again looking stale. Joe Burrow, his health, uh, unfortunately, kind of holding the entire team captive. Uh, just not enough creativity on the offense, too, with his injury being the way that it is. So that makes it a little bit harder for them right, to protect him, to run the football, uh, because I do think Joe Mixon in that run game is pretty solid when they do do it. They just don't do it consistently enough. No, no deception in the run game no deception when you're in a shotgun all the time. Yep. And, you know, it, it's it's kind of coming back, Matt. Getting under center, having a fullback, more, I think there's, a, I think, 14 teams kind of have a fullback in their offense or whatever. I'm not sure the number. I looked it up once. I've already forgot. But, yeah, you know, when you're under the center, when you go to hand it off, is it a play action? Is it a run? At least you got a thought yeah. instead of in the shotgun and we just, oh, we're going to do the give and go. Well, that's not going to fool anybody, and, of course, and, the Bengals are not going to run that anyway. And part of that is linebackers are getting smaller to cover the pass, right? 
teams are in nickel more often, right? So they have an extra DB on the field, right? Lighter, you know, seven, uh, not seven-man boxes, but six-man boxes, right? In certain situations versus personnel, which really should be an advantage, you know, to certain offenses as the year continues to go. Um, and, and also just everyone's emphasizing pass, pass, pass in college oh. and in the pros. And you can see that just some of those things that are like the fundamental part of just like basic one-on-one football, some teams maybe just don't focus on it as much anymore. And this is also why we see certain teams like the Eagles, like the 49ers, you know, the Cowboys and, and all of them, they win at the line of scrimmage. They run the ball well enough each and every week to help the rest of their team perform better. Hey, big, powerful teams. And, and toughness. You know like the old you like. thing? You know the old saying Bill Parcell said to me once? Hey, Sims, you know, I was talking about some team in glowing terms. He goes, here's what happens in the NFL season. I'm looking, okay, what? Fast teams get slower. Big teams don't get smaller. <laughs> and so as that year goes along, we'll see. You know, and it, it really, not that it's the, the golden rule, but there is a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. You know, you, you ever watch and a game? And the teams we just mentioned, they're big. They're strong. Yeah, you know? but you ever watch a game when you're in the NFL and it's week 12 or 11 or 10? And you play the team week two, and you watch week two, and you go, oh, my God, look at us. We don't even look like that now. Yeah. Because you look different in your uniform. The uniforms don't look as good, and you're not as fast. And for quarterbacks, that's a good thing because the game gets a little safer as the year goes along. So <laughs> I guess so. Uh, maybe All right, a what's little the other, safer. What's the underperformed thing? Well, yeah, we now, uh, you know, thanks for that. Uh, Belichick mentioned because that's what we're going to talk about Belichick and the New England Patriots right. and uh, his worst loss of his coaching career uh, Man, which is that's pretty amazing, amazing. Yeah. Um, and also a credit to him too for actually surviving that long to suffer a loss like this but um, <laughs> um, you know at the same time the struggles of this team there's a few issues uh, the offense you know, I think is better with Bill O'Brien. It looks a little bit more, it just more better designed, right, as right. a whole. But where is the talent on the offensive side of the football? They look slow. They look slow at every position. And, uh, and Mac Jones really, to me, just is struggling with just making easy plays easy. Right. He's making very simple plays, I feel like, look extremely difficult uh throughout the football game and then making the two or three boneheaded plays okay like throwing across the field where he was got away run. he got away with one but then he did it again later i think in the exact same drive and deron bland took it for an interception to the house well let me start here okay even at running back who do they have ezekiel elliott and they have Ramondre stevenson are they fast no no, they're pounders. Yeah, they're powerful. So who's the guy you can put in there and hand it off to and he makes somebody miss and get you 20? That's well, one thing. Whereas, like, Seattle has Walker and Charbonnet. Well, they're who, everything. Who are, who are physical runners, but they also have game-breaking speed. They, they got Just as an example. Yeah, they right? do. And then they can make people miss, too. But I don't think they like to make people miss, but that's another thing. Yeah, it's thing. okay. Yeah, but we'll let me just that. say this. Here we go. You know how it is when we do quarterbacks every year. We talk about them and – I hear certain people, you know, I should call them out, but I'm going to let it go right now, is, well, you know, arm strength is overrated in the NFL. And I just say this to them all. I say this all the time. My aching rear end, it's overrated. <laughs> okay? What is one of the big problems with Mac Jones? He can't make the power throw. No. Okay. And, you know, you need him. And as you look back, everybody, they're so in, oh, look at the completion percentage, all these things. Hey, 
and oh, he ran for five and here and all that. How about the 20 yard missiles that about 10 guys in the league can throw and they throw four or five of them a game. If they hit them, they're going to win the game. Yeah. I mean, it's plain and simple. You're playing Josh Allen. You got to go from sideline to sideline and from 80 yards out to the end zone to guard what he can do. Yeah. And there's, we got a big group of guys that can really fire it. So to think that arm strength's not important, nobody judges it. They act like every damn throw is the same, and it's not. And, uh, you know, it drives me crazy. Well, it's like look at CJ's arm strength right now. I mean, the ball pops off his hand Pop, compared, yeah. compared to Bryce Young right now, whereas, like, I don't see power throws like that, you know. And I, I think it's going to be a harder transition for him because of that uh, finesse or lack of power like him and Mac Jones have. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, just, just the whole thing, that they can't make dynamic plays. You said it. They don't have any great speed at wide receiver. There's just nothing about New England that gives you suddenness or thinking about it. They can rush the passer. They got a good defensive front, but man, when you I think play, the defense is good, actually, it is. It, it, but the know, offense got to help it out more. Yeah, it's not balanced enough. But you know, Matt, if you try to win games twenty to seventeen, I mean, good luck. Yeah. Now you're talking about the game's going to be perfect, and the, yeah, look, they beat the Jets, and they hung on to beat the Jets, who were playing awful that day in a lot of respects. And they had to hang on and win the game that way. So no, you're right. And, and listen, if if Zach Wilson plays the way that he did uh, Sunday night uh, against the New England Patriots, the next time they play, the the Jets are going to win that football game because he will make you know uh, powerful throws potentially to win the game. And that's what was was one of the highlights for that one. Uh, so yeah, you know, New England uh, Bengals, the same situation, just already kind of in a hole right now. Both teams one and three. And just, you know, a lack of balanced football and a lack of playmaking, really. Bengals have playmakers, just can't really put it all together because Joe Burrow's injury. Can't give him a chance. New England offensive scheme looks better, but not enough playmakers to really balance the creativity or just the the, uh, the efficiency of it. And then just bad quarterback play, uh, to plain and simple. Well, I'm full of stories. So there was an old coach <laughs> okay. in baseball, yeah. uh, Red Chandies. I think he was coaching the Cardinals. Yeah. They'd lost the game. And coach, why'd you lose the game? He goes, well, he didn't want to like crush the players. So he wanted to make an analogy. He goes, you know, I got this old mule back in Missouri. I can run that some bitch every day. And he still ain't going to win the Kentucky Derby. Okay. <laughs> so it doesn't matter how hard you work and all these things. Sometimes you got to have enough talent to put it all together, to make it work, to win games. And you can coach them all day long. And, Hey, like me, hey, you can train me for five years, and we get down in that race to run the 100 meters, my butt's coming last. <laughs> and that's just the way it is. I so don't know. You, you can move back in your day. You, well, yeah, you whatever. But I'm just making a point. I know. To, and especially and it, in the NFL and now. And it's a good point. And it's God. a good point. And it's a real point. You um, can coach all you want when you don't have a power thrower, you don't have speed. What are you going to rely on? Yeah. Mashing people. For 60 minutes, hard to do in the NFL. It is hard. It's hard to win football games, too, especially if you are playing one of those teams that has a quarterback or offensive skill on the other side of the football. And uh, we're going to transition now, right, to just some of the quarterback performances that we thought were really good yes. this past weekend. And we're going to start with uh, Baker Mayfield, who I think has played extremely well so wow. far to start this season. And what I love about Baker and where you have to give him his credit and his due is that the dude is just gritty. He really is. It might not always look pretty. It might not be exactly how they drew the play up, but like, damn, he plays hard. He oh. plays hard, and he plays with his heart 
all game long, and, and you got to appreciate that. Oh, I love it. I, you know, I'm always sitting there going, "All right, is it going to blow up?" Because you feel <laughs> it, you kind of get is, that feeling too. It is on that edge every now and then. We're oh. like, man, okay, but he's got great energy. Plays with energy. I think people around him love him. Uh, you know, he's not afraid to kind of. Chris like, Godwin said it. He oh, said he did. it too. Yeah, he loves. He goes, "How can you not play hard for a guy like that? That's just like sacrificing everything for it." So, but you've yeah. heard the story about Todd Bowles, right? No, go ahead. Oh well, here he goes. How do you explain? Can you explain to us about Baker Mayfield? One of the reporters. He goes, "Well." If the fan is on, I told him to stick his face in and he would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's and, it's right though. He is like he's the ultimate soldier. He really is. He is, he is that frontline guy. He's not gonna stand back there and, you know, pretend to be, you know, the general on the high horse. He wants to be right there in the thick of it in the trenches. And there yeah. And it's good because I think this is what this team is. This yes. team wants to be like that. It matches what they want to be on the defensive side of the football and being physical and strong right. with Todd obviously being the head coach, being a former defensive player. And, and Baker, you know, is kind of the epitome of what they want to be in a lot of ways. And he's he's really impressed me. A lot of good throws. He's a guy that can make power throws. No doubt. He's a guy that makes a lot of scrappy plays with, with moving in the pocket, creating stuff when it's not there. Um, and, and Chris Godwin uh, played extremely well this past weekend. Um, and, and so did uh, Devin Tompkins, too, who I think is a, a good surprise, too, for this Tampa Bay receiving core. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's always the same thing. When I watch him play, I do like watching Baker Mayfield play. He's not a check down Charlie guy. He's always looking to try to make the big play. And he, well, you know, his fault is he rares back to throw it sometimes. He loves throwing it as hard as he can. <laughs> he does, yeah. And when you do that, just look, I played long enough. When you try to really put some extra smoke on it, it usually goes one way. That means high. And high <laughs> is a bad thing in the NFL because guys are standing behind that. So he's, he, sometimes he can be too aggressive. But against this, this past week against New Orleans, I, I tell you, another game. I was – I'm shocked the way that game turned out. Yeah, I'm not really, though. Really? I'm really no, because I feel like New Orleans is just every – the same thing with, like, New England – and some of the other teams, like everything is just such hard work for them on offense. It is. You know, yes. I like Derek Carr, but, you know, uh, every now and then I find myself yelling at the television, be like, come on, Derek, like you're too good of a pro to miss some of these throws. Um, you know, so it just, they're a very frustrating team to me a little bit. And uh, we'll see how the NFC play, NFC South plays out. But right now, Baker Mayfield, the Tampa Bay Bucks look like they are the best football team in that division. Well, you know, go back. You're right. Derek Carr is trying to be super careful with the football. How about this? 23 completions, 23, 37 attempts for 127 yards. Yeah. So that means we're just not getting the football down the field. And not that you always have to do that, but somebody's got to catch a short pass and make a big play, and they, they were just not doing that this past week, that's for sure. So Baker Mayfield, all the credit to him. But, it, boy, it makes me look at the New Orleans Saints a lot different, too, after this game. All right, so now we're going to go to Brock Purdy with a great performance. Uh, I mean, not great. I mean, almost, you know, oh. stellar, amazing. 20 of 21, 283 yards, one touchdown. He was only sacked once. Um, and, and just, you know, you could say whatever you want. You know, I know that some people will value Brock Purdy as not one of the better QBs in the NFL or whatever. And, you know, physically, he's not. Like, let's just call a spade a spade. He's not as physically dominant as some of the other quarterbacks in the league. But he really plays the position extremely oh. well for what's being asked of him in San Francisco. And, 
you know, fortunately for him, you know, guys, sorry to tell you, he plays for the best, you know, designed offense in the NFL at times. And and it's, it's hard to, to knock that. So the dude is being, he's doing exactly what's being asked of him. Uh, The one highlight that I really was impressed with his two deep passes to Brandon. Ayuk. Yes. Beautiful throws. Perfect coverage, great call, everything. He executed them with great ease. Brandon Ayuk, to me, is one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. I feel like I've been saying it for the past two years because he gets overshadowed by the Christian McCaffrey love, and, and rightfully so. Christian McCaffrey is awesome. But Brandon Ayuk is you know, a phenomenal deep ball threat. He's a great route runner, too. Um, and he just plays with great attitude. But Brock Purdy, I thought, played phenomenally well. Yeah, he did. You know what? I'm not going to say that line anymore. Well, look at their offense and look at the talent. Hey, you know what? Somebody's got to play for him. Brock Purdy's the man. And you know yeah. what? He's taking advantage of every little bit of it. Now, I don't think he's been – this past game would give me great hope if I'm a 49er fan. I thought he was so much sharper than he'd been in the the previous couple. I agree. You know, when he played against the Giants, the numbers looked pretty good or whatever. I did not think he played well at all. Yeah, I didn't think he threw the ball very well. And he got fortunate, too, on a few that probably should have been intercepted. Um, And then just the the scheme really kind of bailed him out, too, in that game. But this is a game where I feel like physically – you know, he looked his best so far this season. Now, you know, we always say, like Miami, Miami throws it over the middle a lot. When You know, we we beat it to death. Uh, everybody does on radio and TV. And the 49ers, uh, you know, like the Dolphins, they, they kind of had the same. But my point is being this. They're throwing it outside a little more than I've seen them do it in the past. Yeah. And why not? Everybody's trying to play certain routes, so they're changing up. Brock Purdy can get rid of the football quick. You know, he's got a good – you know, I always say he's got a good hand where he can kind of flick it if he has to and still get it down the field. He never tries to really overpower the ball, which I think is a great thing. And, hey, Kyle Shanahan doing a tremendous job with him. And uh, what what he's 72%. Man, that's the other thing. 13 quarterbacks or 14 this past weekend completed over 70% of their passes. Yeah. My gosh. That's amazing. That's amazing. It, it is. Really is. And, and but you know, at the same time, I think we shouldn't be shocked when that does happen every every now and then. It's going to happen every week. Yeah, yeah, because of just the way that the rules are designed too, where it's been very pro offense, and that was something I complained to you about too. Uh, you know, just as a side note here, has nothing to do with this uh, particular player or game, but just there was a few pass interference calls where the throw was absolutely horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. It was it missed the target by ten yards, yeah. and they still got a pass interference call because the receiver turned. You know, now good football IQ by the receiver, but also I'm just like, man, like, do we always have to just hand the uh, offense a, a pass interference call because the the throw was awful? I want them to go back to if it's not catchable, if it was a a yeah. play they really couldn't make a play on. But you, you know, know that's, what? That's just me. It's, you know? Well, that's good because I, I feel the same way. You know, but what what's the game about? What's it about on TV? What do the fans want to see? Everybody wants to see scoring. I get that. It's so, still a fun game, even when teams aren't scoring that much. All right, it really is. No, and we shouldn't fall in love with uh, you know college football because college football. Oh. Ole, just as an example, Ole Miss LSU. I wanted to throw up as I was watching that was football game because it was such bad football. Yeah, it but, was. Um, you know the NFL. It's like you don't. We don't have to always reward you know, the offense, like it's okay for the defense to, to, to make some plays every now and then. Matt, Matt. Yeah, I know. Yeah. This is about TV. It's about the fans. I used to do games and the score would be seven to three at halftime. 
And we would send it to the studio and they go, it's disgusting. And, you know, whatever, I'm exaggerating. And they come back to me. I don't know what game they're watching. This is exciting. Yeah. You know, I love tension. I, You know, I don't mind. Let's get in a rock fight in the middle of the field and see who can win it at the end sometimes. But, again, it, it's overwhelming. Everybody considers high-scoring games to be great, low-scoring games to be boring. So the NFL yeah. knows that. And if it ever gets to where the scoring goes down a little bit, what are they going to do? Change the rule. Change the rule. Yeah, that's but, it. And so. that, that's partly, too, just the fans don't actually know what they're watching sometimes. But that's okay. That's all right. Um, fans are we fans. Still, we still love you anyway. Uh, so we're going to go to our next quarterback performance in Matthew Stafford. And, uh, you know, we just wanted to highlight Matt Stafford, you know, just a week ago, as an example. Uh, he, I thought he played extremely frustrating at times versus Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, you know, despite maybe the fact that they weren't running the ball as efficiently in the red zone like they maybe should have, Still made, I thought, a few errors as far as throwing and decision making that someone as experienced as he he is shouldn't be making, you know, at this point in his career. But then he comes back against the Indianapolis Colts a week later and he's banged up. He's getting hit a ton. Right. I mean, almost every play as much as. Uh, as, as much as uh, as any quarterback in the league probably right now. Well, not as much as Daniel Jones. Except for but, Daniel Jones, yeah. you're right. But, I mean, the dude made so many good throws under duress, hung in there, extended plays outside the pocket, and uh, he's still one of the most dangerous quarterbacks in the league because of something we said earlier. He's a dude that can really throw the ball powerfully down the field. Oh. He can stand in the pocket tough and still direct traffic and make powerful throws from the pocket. And he's still athletic enough, too, uh, to, to make plays outside the pocket. So Matthew Stafford, 27 of 40, 319, one touchdown. And it also helps, too, when you got guys like Puka Nakua from BYU and yeah. Tutu Atwell um, and Tyler Higby. So, um, and I've also been very impressed with Kyron Williams, the running back at Notre Dame. I thought he's had a really good season so far, and he's a very physical runner, too. But Matt Stafford balled out this weekend. Yeah, Matt Stafford is not faint of heart. Uh, he. He takes as many big hits as any quarterback in the NFL. He has for years. Yeah. I mean, I did Detroit games down there quite a few times. I, I swear, I think he was hurt every time I went there. <laughs> but he always plays. And, you know, he's not a check down Charlie, that's for sure. He throws it down the field. And he is the best in-cut thrower in history of the NFL. I It's every game. I mean, he throws those deep in-cuts. And it's always, it seems like it's always on target. They won a Super Bowl because of a couple no-look in-cuts, yeah. if you remember. But yeah. I really like the way he plays. Uh, it, he does take gambles. Uh, he is aggressive decision-maker. It backfires on him probably more than Sean McVay would want. But I have, <laughs> I have deep appreciation for him. And I, and I work with a guy that played with him. And, and Nate Burleson, you know, he talks about him. He goes, man, he would be so hurt and this and that and – he still would play, and I said, "Well, how would he throw it?" And he goes, "Oh my God!" Yeah, right. Yeah, he goes, right. "It's he throws it fast, hard, but he spins it so hard, it's easy for the receivers to catch." So, yeah, good job on Matt Stafford. And now the you know we got a quarterback, but still a dollar short category, and that is the Zach Wilson Justin Fields conversation. So finally, two quarterbacks that have been struggling, uh, you know, through their entire NFL career for the most part, and they finally get the performance that the team uh, the team is looking for out of their quarterback and still uh, in both of their cases, which is just a, another reflection of how difficult it is to win in the NFL week to week. 
both quarterbacks make the one mistake that allows the other team to, in the Jets' case, keep the football away from them the rest of the game and ice it. And then for the uh, the Bears' case, uh, the sack strip fumble return for a touchdown that allows, uh, allows them to tie the game and then to ultimately win after the bad fourth and two uh, call management, however you want to look at that. But just wanted to highlight those two quarterbacks because they played arguably the best game of their careers and still came up with an L. What what do you want to add to that? Well, I'm going to start with Zach Wilson. When you're a quarterback now in the league, radio, TV, uh, the focus on a turnover is it's over the top. You know, it's yeah. I, I just it's amazing. Well, it's the only position that but, media and everyone can judge fan base to without really knowing anything. Well, that's right, because right. we can look at the numbers. Well, you really can't, because there's great numbers that come out there and the team still loses. That's true, too, or it's misleading. But here we go. I'll be a highlight guy right now. Hey, well, you know, so-and-so threw for 350 yards, four touchdowns, and he completed almost every single pass, but he did throw an interception. <laughs> oh, my God. But I'll say this real quick about Zach Wilson. Um, I thought he played really well. Uh, it took him a little bit to go, okay, we got to change things up. Right, I'm watching the yeah, game like, going. Go. Are we going to do the same thing again? But they let him loose, and I, I, I just have this complaint. Yeah, he dropped the snap from the center. It's a big deal, but I would have done more play action. To me, the deeper he gets behind the line of scrimmage, the more effective he is. Let the receivers run. It opens up running lanes for him, and it spreads the defense out easier to see. And then you talking about making power throws. I, I'm kind of uh, amazed at the power he generates sometimes with his motion. But he made a lot of power throws the other night. So, overall, it was really good. But he made that fumble. and um, so. But it's a good start, and we'll see if they can back it up this week against Denver. And Salah said it right in the postgame. He goes, if this kid can play like that, you know, week in and week out, we're going to win a lot of football games. And he's right. He really is right. Because if he can play solid like that, the Jets defense did a very good job against the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Still concerned about the Kansas City Chiefs offense for a, a multitude of reasons. Um, you know, just doesn't look quite the same and doesn't look as dangerous as it has been in the past. But I think Sal is correct on that. And, and credit to Zach Wilson, too, from a, a year separated, right, from – uh, his his bad press conference post New England Patriots game, really really good to see a young man growing. Unfortunately, right for him and his family, right in front of the nation's eyes, right standing up there and just saying, "Yeah, it's on me. I'm the one that losses the game." And you know, you could say and have all the hate in the world that you wanna. Even I was one of those people that was like, "Damn, you know, come on, Zach." But you know, dudes growing and maturing. You know, uh, on a national stage with everyone watching him, and uh, and I think it's going to serve him for the better as his career continues to go on. Because uh, I just thought that was a, a good moment for him. You know, I do too. It really was. I'm going to say this: it was a moral victory. You hope it is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, let's see right. if they can keep it. You know, keep it. Hey, listen. My big complaint too in the game: we got the Kansas City Chiefs in third and longs, and we let Patrick Mahomes run up the middle. And huge yards. What was it, third and 25 one time? 
and he picked up the first down. It's it was it twenty was, something, whatever. You're right. It was something. Yeah. So that that was really alarming. You know, you on the defensive side, you can't you can't pull back either. No, so. you're right. You're and it's a great point too. When you're a defense that's that dominant, right, or supposed to be that dominant, you can't let those plays happen either. Especially too when you are you know the the, the nucleus of the football team, and uh, and then also credit Patrick Mahomes because the game the play that sealed it at the end. I mean, it was supposed to be a tight end screen to the right, and the tight end got ripped to the ground because the defensive end rep, rep, read it. So he threw him down to the ground, and he said, ah, let me just run over here, you know, and he ran for that first down, stayed in bounds, did all that. So it's yeah. just like, you know, it, that's a team that has learned to win tough football games that now it kind of comes more easy for them, and the Jets are unfortunately in that process of learning how to do that. And uh, they got one step closer, and I know it's not a moral victory type of league, but – you know, damn, Zach Wilson, you showed out and you told Joe Namath, you know, hey, whatever, bro. So did you read um, the paper today? What did it say? Joe took it all back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's one one week difference. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about Justin Fields. Justin real Fields quick. played the best game of his career by far. And, and not only that, but as a thrower. Right. Oh, no and doubt. We yes. know that he's a fantastic runner of the football. Right. Mike Lombardi would say that he's a glorified running back at the position. <laughs> yeah. Right. But he finally really did a good job of managing the game as a passer, made good decisions, made rhythm decisions too, threw the ball powerfully at times down the field. Really good scheme. Now the Denver Broncos defense is probably one of the worst defenses in the league right now. I don't even know statistically where they are, but like, you know, clearly the week before that. And, well, when you and give up 70, week, you're going to be the worst. <laughs> right. So, um, but really, really a good moment for Justin Fields uh, as far as just the individual performance goes. And then, you know, similar to Zach, made the one mistake that allowed the team back into the football game. So that's why this segment was called, you know, we got a quarterback, but still a dollar short. Yeah. You know, listen, who who is he? Powerful runner. Uh, designed some running plays for him. I, I'm all for that because you got to take advantage of what he can do. He's big and powerful. But to me, his biggest strength, his arm strength, and when you the farther you get him back, the same as Zach Wilson, the farther he gets behind the center, the line of scrimmage, whatever you want to say, he is a powerful downfield thrower. Yeah. And you know and I know that's the easiest thing to do. And I thought they did that really well against the Denver Broncos. He made some great throws. I mean, he just – he must have threw, threw – you know, as you know, as a quarterback. When he threw it, he goes, hey, I caught it all. Yeah. You know, he did that. And he hit – Which think was he, probably the first time all year that that's happened for him too because yeah, I feel like he, before that he hasn't been – he yeah, wasn't throwing it as clean as he did. He was guarded. You he know, was, against Denver. He wasn't yeah. sure. So he, but the big thing is he made – I'm, I'm going to just put a number. Three times he took one right to the chest and threw deep out cuts to the sideline. The ball probably traveled 30 to 40 yards. I don't know, whatever. But it was really impressive. So we kind of know who he is. Now, build around that, and don't go back to let's throw a slant and a flat and all these little tiny throws, which I don't think he's great at. He can't get the ball out of his hand at, that fast. But when he goes down the field, it seems to be easier, and he seems to be much more accurate. Yeah, and, and just 
quick highlight as far as that Chicago game. Don't understand why we try to draw them off sides, then call a timeout, then go for it. If you're going to go for it, just go for it. You know, the same thing the Washington Commanders. You know, you do all that stuff to get in the game, to tie it, all that kind of stuff. Then you kick the extra point to go to overtime with the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, just go for two and end the damn game. But, all right. That's well, you know me. what? That's analytics. Me. Let me give you analytics on that. You're the Washington Commanders. Let me see. The analytics is they're a lot better than us. <laughs> Yeah, let's try to get it down to one play instead of a series of plays. Does that make sense? It does. Okay, it does. You. All right, so we're real quick. What yep. is your takeaway from the Seattle Seahawks and the New York Giants game? Oh my was- gosh, you know everything. Daniel Jones has had trouble fumbling the football. He breaks the pocket. I would make him walk around the complex. Keep two hands on the ball. Because when you're running with it with one hand, the NFL, hey, the biggest, fattest, slowest nose tackle in the NFL is still fast. And they hawk you from behind. And that's what happens. He's running with one hand, going sideways, and he gets hit, and he fumbles, and it was a huge play. Yeah. So that that would be my fir- first thing. And, of course, the rest, it, it's – It's pretty obvious. It's pretty that. obvious. Can yeah. we – oh, why aren't they throwing the ball down the field? <laughs> Are you watching the game? I mean, come on. It's just, it's got to be better. And uh, I feel bad for him being an ex-giant. What a tough spot to be in. They had a chance to get back in the game, the interception, everything. Man, when it goes bad, it goes bad. It was funny when we were watching the game together, too. I I loved, uh, he throws the interception for the pick six. And, uh, you know, Dayball meets him on the sideline. And Daniel Jones just walks right by him. And I, I thought it was pretty funny that you were just like, that's right, Daniel. Just walk by him. What, what do you got to remind him? That was a bad throw? Like, shit, you know it was a bad throw. Yeah, Who cares? Right. Just move on, you know? I but know. It, uh, it's a tough situation. And this is what's great about the NFL. You know, at me being a, a Giants-Jets fan, being growing up in this tri-state area, I was very optimistic about the season for both teams, right? Being a fan of the Giants because of you and our background, right, of the Jets, being a former player. And uh, it's just the reality of the NFL. You know, it doesn't matter how much hope you got. You still got to put it together on the field. And it still looks like the Giants have a few issues, um, you know, as far as their roster goes. They can't protect the quarterback. Um, They don't really have enough speed on the outside and the skill group and the receiver position, um, which I thought was going to be improved. And then I think Wink right now just hasn't been playing or calling a great defensive scheme yet. Now, it was good to see Kayvon Thibodeau get a sack, Mm -hmm. you know, finally. But, you know, still just... Just not not enough for this team to really make a, a legit push, I think, in a division that, that is very tough. Hey, I had one thought about the Giants going into the season. It was this. If they duplicate what they did the year before with the, the one-loss record, I said that would be awesome because they're not there yet. And the schedule, uh, you know, I don't like the, that schedule stuff. But, I, you know, come on. It's getting worse. It, no, but, I mean, even before the year, you knew this was going to be unbelievably yeah, tough. Right. So. Yeah. That's where I stand with that. So what do we got? All right, so now we're going to discuss uh, the the matchup of the weekend, really, for all of us. It's kind of a weird week. There's not a, a ton of games that I got, like, extremely uh, excited about when I looked at the schedule. So I just thought that we'd focus on one for now, and that's the San Francisco 49ers versus the Dallas Cowboys. You know, this is a game that I feel like we talked about all offseason. Mm. Of course, with the Cowboys, it's constantly discussed because of this rivalry, too, and just how they've lost to the 49ers in the playoffs of late. Um, and, and just what are some of your thoughts going into this game and, and what needs to happen for either team to win? Well, both teams are going to study the film from last year, the the divisional playoff round, right? That's the one they played each other in. The Cowboys are going to look at it and say this. It was there to be had. 
Yeah. We could have won the game. Definitely. And they got to protect a little better to put Dak Prescott at ease. I think some of the open receivers that were big in the game for Dallas that he couldn't didn't see when I know it was part of the read, it's just because of one thing. He probably was told all week, hey, get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball. Right. So he got rid of the ball, but unfortunately it was to the wrong guy sometimes. <laughs> you know, to the wrong receiver, to their defense, whatever. And he probably was protected well enough for some of these big plays down the field that he could have got it done. And that had to be infuriating for him. He's going to watch it this week. They're on edge down there in Dallas. I think emotionally they got a lot going for him. And um, they've probably been waiting on this game, the way they played last week. But I think Dak Prescott, he is going to be tough as hell. He's going to get hit. And I think he's just going to play a better game this time. I would agree with that. And I think that Dak's looked better this season. I think the offense has looked better. And it's it's a theme that we've kind of seen throughout the NFL, actually even in college too, just coaches who – you know, are special specialized in a certain aspect of the game, offensive, defense, whatever it is, those who have doubled down on themselves and said, you know what, I'm taking over again, Sean McDermott, Mike McCarthy, like it's, it's really, it's important, right? Because these McVay, McVay, right? So uh, Mike McDaniel with his offense. So all these guys who go back to what got them there in the first place and focus on their specialty, those teams I feel like have improved dramatically uh, Dan Quinn, you know, as a head coach, defensive coordinator, you know, now it's like he's back to just focusing on the defense. His defense looks new. It looks definitely revitalized. He's not running that Seattle cover three anymore. He's doing a lot of different things that I think he's never even done before. Stuff that he never did with us in Atlanta. That's for sure. So um, I think it's a it's a good theme to kind of think about. Kyle Shanahan, always on the offensive side of the football. He never deviates away from that. Never. Right. So, well, I would say this, Matt, real quick. <clears throat> It's a lookout game. Yeah. If you're a quarterback. Oh, dude. My God. I know. This, this, you, you know, these are two of the best pass rushing teams in the league. And so there's got to be some rhythm to what you do. But you got to also, too, as the quarterbacks, you got to be tough and just try to go through them and sense the pressure and don't speed up so much where you do what I've already talked about. But not only both these teams can rush the passer, they have depth. And uh, that's the other thing that scares you. They stay fresh and they rotate these guys through the through the lineup, and yeah. they're both dangerous pass rushing teams, no doubt. For both quarterbacks, I would say in this type of game, emotions are going to be high, clearly because of the rivalry that's there. Settle just, into the game, just survive the first you know quarter and a half. Now, but the one thing is, I will say that Brock Purdy and Kyle, just because I've seen it more with Kyle, Brock will have an easier time adjusting to the game because Kyle will call it up in a way to get somebody wide open on a, a type of scheme or a concept right. probably more consistently than than what we've seen with the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys, can you run the ball efficiently right enough to stay balanced, to still be able to do play-action passes, to still be able to push the football down the field at times instead of just lining up in obvious passing situations when you get in obvious passing situations against either of these teams, that's where you're in trouble. So both teams really need to stay balanced as far as their creativity and how they run the football, their screen game. Look for reverses and stuff like that early in this game too because they're going to try to take advantage of teams that are over-pursuing with their speed because both defenses are extremely fast. Yes. So look for some of those trick gadget plays early, screens, double move screens, yeah. reverses early on in this game. Um, I learned that from Sean Payton yeah. 
and Norv Turner. Right. When you're playing in a big game, emotions are high. Get them with the reverse or a flea flick or something early, early. to slow them down. Definitely. And you know, they tell me this before the game. Play number five. Here it comes. And yeah, I just, right, right. It's, it's great. I want to get one point that you and I talked about last yeah. night as we were watching the Giant game. Christian McCaffrey. Right now he's averaging basically 24 touches a game. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Uh, so this was something that, yeah, we discussed together and I mentioned, you know, it to me, they're running this dude in the ground. And what concerns me is that it seems like the entire offense revolves around him and his performance in the run game and in the pass game. I think the pass game is heavily designed around him too at times. And that's where I get concerned about him getting worn out. So the good thing for the rest of the NFL is, is that Kyle Shanahan might run his prize horse into the ground, right? The bad thing is, though, is that they find great ways to get him the football a lot. So it is a double-edged sword in this situation, but I am definitely concerned about just his health as the season goes on. I would think they would have this attitude. Let's worry about that, about this after this game. <laughs> right, right, right. I think they will. I mean, come on, they know. And you, you said, I didn't see it watching the game, that he was getting worked on a little bit in the sideline. So you do have to be careful with these running backs. As Bill Belichick said something to me once, I said, so-and-so's only got a little nick. Are you, is, well, that shouldn't hurt. He goes, Sims, it's a car wreck. It is a car if wreck. If the running back is every, not every play. almost 100%, they're no good. And I went, wow, you're right. That's a good good thought. I've never forgotten it either. I see it with these running backs. You wear them down, run them too much, it, it, it's amazing. You can almost see it from week to week that they're being overworked. And it's not like I'm not taking a shot at just what they're doing offensively, but it's just it's easy because he's so good. You know, It really sure. is. So it's easy to keep feeding him the football. But I would expect to see a few more of those – you know, creative design toss runs when Debo Samuel goes in motion. They toss him the football, leading it up there for him around the edge to add the physicality of their run game. Uh, Elijah Moore to get more carries. And the question really for the Cowboys can be, can you pressure Brock Purdy when you get past all of the smoke and mirrors of the offense? Can you just get after the quarterback? Can you get Micah Parsons in favorable matchups and get hits on the quarterback? Because I think that's important for this team. Not a lot of teams get great hits on Brock. Can they be one of those teams that has the ability to? We know they do on the roster. Now they just got to execute and get it done. They'll get there. I don't know if they can hit him and cause this and that. He'll get rid of it pretty quick. My other thing is you talk about Christian McCaffrey. It's like going out to eat. You know, when you take a bite of something that's really good, you don't go, you know, I'm not going to eat the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. That was enough, that one bite. So, yeah. you know, Kyle's got that going. It's hard. You look over there and you see him, and you just go, it's easy. Yeah. I might try it. But I think that this game, I, I can't imagine they're going to worry about the touches. It's all about winning this game, getting the leg up on the Cowboys, and it's going to be awesome. Everybody's going to have their eyes on it. And I'm excited about that game more than any other one this weekend. Yeah, me too. So this was uh, a great first episode. Damn. And uh, yeah, we it's a lot of talking, a lot of talking, but it you was know. fun. You got you got some sweat too over there. I'm sweating like sweat. Uh, you got some titty sweat, boy. Ooh, Come on, man. Uh, Is that what they call it? Upper Dota? Yeah, <laughs> never mind. Well, let's don't get into that. But uh, yeah, great first episode and look forward to, to doing this with you each and every week, kind of breaking down the, the things that we saw from last week and then highlighting a few of the matchups we find interesting. Yeah. Always a pleasure, Big Phil. All right. Good job, Matt. You're doing the hosting. I'm sitting here living off my son. I love All right. It. Toodles.